with that, I want to transition into today's message. So in this Advent series, the, the word Advent, just to, again, let you know, it's, a, it's a, a word that means arrival, anticipation, emergence. It's sort of this feeling of anticipation and expectation. And as we think about it, we're putting ourselves back into the shoes of those who were living at the time just before and up until Jesus came, what that must have been like, what lessons we can learn and glean from them. Uh, this is a great time for us to actually do what our big idea for this series is, to look backwards, because when we see God's faithfulness in the past, it will bring peace to our present and give us faith for our future. That's why we have to look back and go, God, what did you do then? How did they respond? What can we learn from it? And so in week one, we looked at the life of Zachariah and Elizabeth, people who had held on to hope and a promise for a long time, saw a prayer request not come to pass for a very, very long time until it did, right? And then in week two, last week, Beth talked to us about Mary, the mother of Jesus, and how she handled the divine interruption Right? What happens when God shows up and speaks the unexpected? How do we respond? We learned a lot from her last week about how to posture and position our hearts. By the way, didn't Beth do a great job on that last week? Can we just give it up for her? I don't know where she is, but I hope you can hear that, Beth. Wonderful job last week. And today, we're going to continue on in the Christmas story, and we're going to take a look at a few more. We call them characters. Really, they're people, right? These aren't just stories that people made up. These are real things that happen. And we're going to look at the humble shepherds. I want to jump straight into our text today, and we'll use that as a launching pad for the message. We're going into Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. It says this. That night, there were shepherds staying in the field nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by the sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels would return to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherds' stories were astonished. That's the word of the Lord. You know, we live in a day and age where our mental images about Christmas tend to come from like Christmas cards, Hallmark movies. Anybody like a good Hallmark movie? They're getting a little woke for me, but some of the old ones are pretty good. Um, you can watch some of those Hallmark movies, or maybe you got your little nativity, and that's where you start to get your ideas of what Christmas was like, right? See the nativity in someone's yard, or maybe sitting on their little buffet inside the house. And one of the things that happens is we start to get caricatures of things that were true, but are being presented not exactly in a true way. I'll give you an example. I was talking with someone about Christmas the other day and just the stories in the Bible, and they made a reference to the three wise men that came to see Jesus. Well, there was not three wise men, according to the Bible, that came to see Jesus. I don't know if you know this. There were three gifts that were given by an unnumbered name of wise men. 
We don't know how many wise men there were, but because all the pageants that we go to tell us there were three, we just decide there's three, but that's not what the Bible actually tells us. There might've been three, there might've been 30. We don't actually know, right? So if we can get it wrong about the Magi, how I many know we might get it wrong, get a little confused about the shepherds. When we think about these shepherds, sometimes we think about sweet, temperate little boys, right? They haven't grown any facial hair yet. They're just petting their lambs and just being sweet. They look like, you know, a Norman Rockwell picture, right? Some like that or a little precious moments doll they're just so kind and sweet and they probably say yes ma'am and no sir and please and thank you this is not the idea of a first century shepherd I don't know if you know this about first century shepherds but these guys lived on the outskirts of society they were often considered outcasts, vagrants, like we don't want you in here, go do a job out there. They're the ones who uh, were out pushing sheep sometimes onto other people's lands. They had kind of a reputation for being dishonest because they would go and graze on other people's land at night when nobody was looking, right? These were not the sweet little faces that we're used to seeing this time of year. These were rough guys who were taking care of somewhat wild animals. I know sheep are kind, but have you ever been around them? I raised a sheep in high school, okay, and a steer. Animals get a little messy. And how many know, when you're taking care of the animals, you start to smell like the animals that you're caring for. These are the sheep, man. These are the the shepherds taking care of these sheep. They're outcasts. They're on the margins of society, and they probably smelled like a bunch of dirty animals. Not the picture in your sweet nativity that you may have. And when you think about that, when you own for a second the reality of what first century shepherds were, it does sort of seem strange, at least to me, about why God would choose them to send angels in the sky to tell them first, Jesus is here, the Messiah. That's how they would know the Savior of the world has come. This is strange to me because if I was God, I'd be going to the religious leaders. I'd want to go have a conversation with the high priest. Hey, Gabriel, you already talked to Zachariah. He's kind of a lower priest, but let's go talk to the high priest. Let's go tell him what we're doing. Or maybe go talk to someone else in a position of power, right? Herod was the king of Judea at this time, the Bible tells us. So why don't you go tell the king? You know, if it's modern times, hey, let's go by, let's, let's go by, let's knock on Pastor Nate's door and let him know what's going on, right? Let's go talk to a city council person, Angela Jones. She's in charge of stuff, so let's tell her what's coming to her city. Let's go talk to people that we would think God might know. He says, I'm going to send these angels, and he does it to send them to these people that are outcasts, a ragtag bunch of shepherds get an angelic visitation to let them know the Messiah has come, which, of course, begs the question you should all be asking right now, which is, why? Why? I saw you ask that question, Craig. It's a good question. Why did he do it then? There must have been a reason. Of course, there is. But to answer this question, I need you just to hold in mind everything I've just told you about who these shepherds were because then you can start to understand why God sent the angels to them. And I think it's this, first of all, because in a sense, they were who he came for. They were who he came for. You see, this story is less about the shepherds and more about the Savior of the shepherds. And yet God chose them for a reason. I want to look at at least three today. Let's start with number one. If you have your bulletin, you can uh, find the the notes in there, fill this out, or of course in the app. Number one, fill in the blank here, is the symbolism of the shepherds, the symbolism. Now, as I mentioned, these shepherds were the lowest of the low. And I think that God, 
by sending angels in the sky to tell them the Messiah has come. I believe he's telegraphing his heart in the clearest way possible. He's saying the light of the world is coming and he's coming for the lowly. He's coming for the outcast. He's coming for the ones who have been forgotten, not the religious elite, not the politically savvy, not the rulers of the kingdoms of this world, but he is coming for you. You, you person on the outside looking in. You, you person who smells like sheep and cattle. You, you person who people think is dishonest. That's who he's coming to. After all, didn't Jesus say, it is not the well who need a doctor, but the sick. Now, of course, we know that God came for everybody. But he's starting saying, I'm coming for you. And this, of course, brings to mind the words of Paul from 1 Corinthians 1, 27 through 28. Our slide is incorrect. We're not going to read 29 for you. But let me read this for you here. It says, God chose the things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. One of the things I know about God is that he loves to use the ordinary to do the extraordinary. Now, when I look around this room this morning, I see a lot of good-looking people. But I also see, in a sense, in the best sense, especially this one right here on the front row, the best-looking of all. That's my wife. Thank you very much. But, but in many ways, I see also a lot of ordinary people. I mean, we're living ordinary lives, every one of us. We're just getting up, doing our thing, taking care of our families, right? Ordinary people. But it's ordinary people that God loves to use to do the extraordinary. And in many ways, this announcement to these lowly shepherds immediately dispenses with this idea that God will only meet with certain people at certain times, in certain places, under certain conditions. He's saying that time has passed. That time is no more. He's saying now I see you in your everyday life. I see you when you're head down grinding, just trying to prove that you can do it, trying to take care of your family trying to own your responsibilities. I see you there. I see you when you feel like you've been shut out and you're on the outside looking in and everybody's on the in club except for you. I see you and I see everyone who has been cast aside. When he sees these shepherds, he sees people outcast today and he also saw someone who was outcast about a thousand years before. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But another point of symbolism that I think is worth mentioning here is that many people think that the sheep that were being raised raised around Bethlehem were actually Passover lambs that would be used in the slaughter of the Passover. And this is, this is consistent with the symbolism that Luke uses. A few weeks ago, we talked about how Zechariah, when he comes out of the sanctuary, he's supposed to bless the people. He's supposed to give the priestly blessing, but he does not. At the end of the book of Luke, we see Jesus actually is the one who lifts his hands, blesses the people, transfers that blessing to a kingdom of priests. So Luke is trying to let us know old things are now passing away. New things are coming. And I think that it is significant foreshadowing that he is saying, hey, leave those Passover lambs. Run as fast as you can to see the one who will be the perfect Passover lamb. I'm coming to you instead of the priest. I am coming coming to tell you these aren't the ones anymore. There's a new thing that is coming and 33 years after this, the new covenant would be established. It's all important. What the Bible says matters. 
who the angels come to matters. And here we see that even though these, these shepherds in many ways, in many ways, were on the margins of society, in their own way, they also had, number two, connections to a king. Connections to a, a king. We know from Scripture that the great Jewish king David actually started out as a, who knows? A shepherd. A shepherd, that's right. By the way, a shepherd who was being overlooked by everybody, including his own family. Now, I know every parent in here is perfect, and you would never leave out one of your children. But David's dad did. David's dad did. Samuel gets a word from the Lord. One of Jesse's boys will be the king that I am picking. And he goes out to Jesse's ranch. He says, hey, Jesse, I need to see all your boys. And Jesse lines them all up. Here they all are. Aren't they good looking? Aren't they smart? Aren't they who you're looking for? And Jesse, in 1 Samuel 16, 11, says this. Excuse me, Samuel says back to Jesse, are these all of your sons? And Jesse says, well, they're still the youngest. But he's out in the fields watching the sheep and the goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. Oh, and by the way, we will not sit down until he arrives. Do you know what's happening here? God is about to appoint his first chosen king of Israel. Now, I know there was one before, a guy named Saul, but that's the one the people wanted. They said, give us him. He's tall. He's good looking. He's going to make us just like everybody else. We need a king. We want to be like the rest of the world. And God says, well, if this is what you want, you can have it. And if you study your Bible, you know that Saul's kingship didn't go so well. But then God says, I'm going to pick somebody else, and you're not going to see him coming. Matter of fact, his own dad's not going to see him coming. He's going to be a shepherd out tending sheep. But God raised him up appoints him as king. He becomes a great king, and now they've named a city after him, and the angels come to our Christmas shepherds and say this in Luke 2.11, the Savior, yes, that one, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Think about that. The city of the shepherd who I found in the middle of nowhere, who had been forgotten about by everybody, including his own daddy. And now a thousand years later, you shepherds are taking care of sheep near his city. Leave them, go to him. This is the symbolism. And Luke is again, he's linking Jesus to the Davidic lineage, not only through genealogy, but through profession, emphasizing that Jesus will in fact be the great shepherd king of Israel. Another reason that I believe the angels came to the shepherds because of this, number three, to bring light in the darkness. How many know in the first century when the sun goes down, most people go inside? You know, they didn't have like contracts with GE to light up every street in the city. You know, you can't just walk around at night because your street's all nice and lit up, right? Sun goes down, the candles come out, we go in. At the time of night, when the angels came, most people, they're not looking at the night sky. They're looking up at their roof, whatever their roof was made out of. I don't know thatch, something. They're looking at it, right? But the shepherds, where are they? They're outside with the sheep. At the dark time of night, they're watching their flocks. And in this time of darkness, God picks this moment to light up the sky around them. Foreshadowing what I believe is a fulfillment, a prophetic fulfillment of Isaiah 9-2, which says this, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Now, we know that that is a metaphor for many people. All of us, by the way, we start out walking in darkness until a great light comes. But sometimes God knows we're a little dense. So he's like, I'm going to do this like for real. 
Like in the dark of night, when the shepherds are outside counting the stars, I'm gonna show up first with one angel and then what did it say? A vast host of angels, the whole army of heaven. No wonder they say, don't be afraid. I see an army of heaven, I'm on the run. Make me nervous. But here we have a prophetic fulfillment, a great light for the people who walk in darkness. The light is coming. The light of the world is coming. And to announce that great fact, this light pierces the darkness in the dead of night and speaks to those who live in darkness the most. Oh, I hope you're getting this today. This is a good news message. Though we walk in darkness, God will send light. Though you may walk in darkness more than the light, oh, the light will come and find you. Question is, how do you respond to this? Let's look at how the shepherds responded. Again, verses 15 through 18, it says this. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go. Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried to the village and they found Mary and Joseph and there was the baby lying in the manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angels had said to them about this child and all who heard the shepherd's story were amazed. Let me tell you something. Once you come face to face with the God of grace, once you come face to face with Jesus, you can't just do nothing about it. If this, if this little podium right here represents Jesus and you're just walking by and all of a sudden the light comes and you see Jesus. You see the truth, the reality of God. You see, Lord, a host of heavenly armies. However it is that God chooses to reveal himself to you, you see it. Let me tell you what you cannot do. You cannot go, hmm, that's cool. I'm gonna keep walking. If you do that, you do not know Jesus. You may have seen him you may have heard about him, but if you pass him by as if he was no thing at all, friends, you do not know him. When you see the reality of Jesus, there are some appropriate ways to, response, to respond. Thinking about how the shepherds responded to what they saw, let's talk for, for a few moments here about four ways to respond to the reality of Jesus. Number one is this, respond immediately. Immediately. Look at what it said. As soon as the angels left, they said, let's go to Bethlehem. Go. We've talked about it before. Go is an action-oriented word. Light turns green. You go, right? We all know what go means, right? You don't pass go. You go. You don't collect $200. You go, right? We are on the move. And so here we go. We're going straight to see this baby king. They had to leave their flocks. By the way, their livelihood, perhaps the most precious and important thing in their life, probably wasn't even their sheep. These guys are not owning stuff. They are stewarding stuff. So this is somebody else's. They're taking a risk here. They got all these sheep that they're responsible for and now the angels say go and so they go let me tell you sometimes the reason people miss God is not because they can't hear God but because they would rather debate with God than go and do what God tells them to do think about the first time things went bad in scripture Adam and Eve God tells them don't eat of this here's all the reasons why the enemy the serpent Maybe a serpentine being. That's another theological wormhole for another time. But something comes and starts talking to Eve and says to her, did God really say? This is why people miss God. God says, they hear. Some other voice comes, did God, did God really say? Oh, I don't know. Even though you know, 
I'm gonna pray about this some more. Even though the word is clear to your heart, I need to test this. If I'm being honest with you, when the Lord spoke to me to plant this church, I knew the second he spoke to me what we were supposed to do. But I said, God, you're gonna have to show me in a lot of ways. I need some convincing. By the way, you gotta convince her because when it gets hard, I need her mad at you, not at me. So I need you to do some stuff and show some stuff. And in his mercy, he did. Crazy prophetic things began to happen to confirm that we were supposed to be here planting this church in this place, in this season, in this time. But the truth, if I'm being really honest with you, when God said to me, when I walked into Belton location of Vintage Church, and God, I didn't know anything about Vintage at the time, I walk in the door and God says, you're gonna help them do this in Liberty Hill. I should have said, yes, sir. Instead, I said, what does help mean? He said, you know what help means. And I said, give me some signs. In his mercy, he gave me some signs. But I have to tell you, I have to tell you, sometimes people miss God, miss God, because they want to debate God. And if if I'm also being honest, I don't think God's kindness was just towards me. I think his kindness was towards you. He knew, this isn't about me. I'm not building my church. We're building our church. And God knew, okay, all right, if I got to talk to this hard-headed man and woman. She's a little hard-headed. Y'all don't know this about her, but she is. It's a good thing. It's how she stays married to me successfully, being hard-headed and loyal and all of those good things. But I believe the reason God said, okay, I'll give you all these signs. It wasn't just for me. It wasn't just for her. It's for all of you and for those who are still to come. We are building a place that's gonna make it hard for people to go to hell in Liberty Hill. And he knew that, so he said, okay, I'll show you. But sometimes, sometimes God gives you a word and you go, I don't know about that. Before you can even ask your question, he's on to the next person saying, I need you to go. He didn't say yes. His purposes are gonna be accomplished through you, through somebody else. All right, I gotta keep moving. Number two, go together. Look at what the scripture says. Let's, let me help you. I'm not an English teacher, but let's means let us, right? It's not let me, it's not you stay here, watch the sheep, I'm gonna go. Hey, you guys, can you just say a prayer for me? Can you give me some money and some food? I'm gonna go. No, it's let us. We together have to go. The angels showed up to them, not to him, and they went indeed. They went as a community supporting one another in their pursuit, and right here, we see the importance of responding to Jesus in a community of faith, in fellowship. He has not called you to do this on your own. By the way, we are gonna give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. But let me tell you something. When you say yes to Jesus, we give you a chance to do it privately. But then when you open your eyes from that prayer moment and look around, there are people around you. And if you walk out that door and never tell anybody that you've decided to follow Jesus, you are at the top of the enemy's hit list. He will pick you off faster than you can blink. There is a reason that God put us around other people in community. It's so the us can go together. Of course, the savior of the world coming meant something to them personally, but they knew it meant something to all people. You know why? Because they were a part of a people who had been hoping and waiting and pleading for the Messiah to come for years and also because the angels told them this is good news for all people. It's for all. It's not just for them. They went together. No man left behind. Number three, You have to go all the way. You have to go all the way. What does it say? Let's go to 
the corner store, get something to drink, maybe have a coffee, sit and talk about it. No, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's go where the angels said to go. We have to go there. So they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. They are on the move. Do you hear me? There was no sitting around, no waiting, no debating, no stopping pit stops for drinks and snacks. I know y'all got to get all your stuff on your road trip. No, they are going as fast as they can to go where the angels told them to go. And let me tell you what this does. They're actually demonstrates they actually believe the word that they heard. People miss God, not because they don't hear him, because they want to debate him. Then sometimes they miss God because they stop long enough for disbelief to set in. And then this word you heard becomes just another passing moment of inaction in your life. You don't move on it. They had to take action immediately. And by acting immediately and not getting distracted, they were able to prove their faith. Now, they didn't need to prove it to anybody, but their actions proves it, right? It proves it. By the way, if there were any detractors, and how many know there always is, they didn't stop to talk to them either. They just went straight to Bethlehem. It was clear to them what God called them to do, and they acted, and they went all the way. Let me tell you something. When it's clear what you're supposed to do, do it, do it. Go all the way, and don't quit. Now, what's the fourth thing that we can learn from them about how to respond Go tell somebody. I should have made the point, go tell everybody. Because that's what it says they did. Let's look at it. After seeing him, speaking of Jesus, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. Another version says they were amazed. What? Angels came? Yes. Yes, that's why we left. Everything that we're responsible for. And they told you to find a baby in a manger? Once again, the culture of Christmas has made that normal. I just want to remind you, it's not normal. Do you have a baby? Go put him in a cattle stall. I got some land right down the street with longhorns on it. Just go put your little six-week-old baby in there and then tell me how normal that is. It's not normal. No one would have expected this. What do you mean a baby in a manger? Around the smelly animals? Not normal, but they went. Their story proved their faith because they did some unusual things and saw some unusual things and acted on unusual things. Listen, your faith may be personal, but it is not private. You have to go and tell somebody, which brings to mind one of my personal favorite Christmas carols. It says this, Verse 1, while shepherds kept their watching over silent flocks by night, behold, throughout the heavens there shone a holy light. The shepherds feared and trembled when lo, above the earth rang out the angel chorus that hailed our Savior's birth. Down in a lowly manger our humble Christ was born and brought us all salvation that blessed Christmas morn. So go, tell it on the mountain over the hills, and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Would you bow your heads with me as we close? Lord, we thank you. We thank you for these great stories. God, we thank you for the story of the shepherds. Lord, we thank you for their faith and their courage to leave what they knew and to go find something that no one would have ever believed was even there. 
We thank you, God, that you telegraph your heart by appearing to outcasts. Lord, we thank you that your heart is for the lowly. It is for the broken. It is for the sinners. It is for those who feel stuck. It is for those who feel like they'll never amount to anything. It is for those who feel like I've attained everything that the world says I need and yet still feel hollow and empty inside. Your message, your truth, your person, your love is for everyone with a void. God, we thank you that you sent your son into this world to fill it. On your seats right now, if you would just take a look. Maybe you saw it when you came in. You have a little card that looks like this, a Christmas wish list. Go ahead and pull this out, if you will. Go ahead and get it in your hand. Also, on your way in, if you stop by our host table, you might have grabbed a pen. It's a little plug for the pens. There's pens there every week for you. You can grab one to fill out your notes. So if you need one, they have them. If you don't have one with you, you can do it on your way out. But this is a Christmas wish list. On the front of it is a scripture from today's message. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all, say all, all people. Now, let me just ask you, how many of you know somebody who could use some good news in their life? Somebody who could use some great joy. I hope every hand goes up, because if not, we either gotta get you out more or we need to meet who you know that doesn't even need good news or great joy, because I need a lot of both. On the back, you'll see five little blanks. I picked one up just before first service and it said PS5 on it. So I, I don't know whose that was. Um, hopefully Santa Claus got the message. Somebody in this room wanted a PS5. Um, these kids are now screaming from the back. That was me. All right. This is for you to write down the names of five people that you know need some good news and some great joy in their life. I'm gonna encourage you to write those down. But I'm gonna encourage you to actually take some action on this. I know, I, know the, I know the habit, I know how it goes. You're gonna leave, you're gonna get in your car, you're gonna put your seatbelt on, and then before you plug your phone in, you're just gonna look at it for a second. Could somebody text me if I have any notification? By the way, if you turn off all your notifications, you'll have more peace in your life. That's for free, it's a side note. But anyways, when you go to look at your phone, I want you to think about the first person on this list, and I want you to send them a text today before you drive out of the parking lot and say to them, take some action, like the shepherds, go, go now, do it now. Delayed obedience is disobedience. God's already probably prompted some of your hearts. If he hasn't, he will. By the time you get to the car, would you send him a text? I'm just leaving church, and I'm so excited about Christmas Eve, and I would love for you to join me. I think God may have something for you in that service. Send it, and then finish the list between now and next weekend. Invite people. Pastor Stephen referenced it. We reference it often, but at Christmas and Easter, people are 80% more likely to say yes than any other time of year. So just ask. Just ask, don't walk past Jesus and what he's done for you and go, I'm gonna keep on. No one needs to know about this. Everyone needs to know about this. Let me pray for you one more time and then we will get out of here for the day. God, thank you again for your word. Thank you for this time of year. Lord, even in the midst of all the weird commercialization of Christmas, stuff that seems to distract from the true light, I'm still thankful for it. I'm thankful that there's a season where our whole country just sort of pauses, whether they know it or not, to acknowledge you and to hear songs about you and where it's a little more normal to say, hey, you wanna come to church with me because it's Christmas after all. Christ came. We're gonna meet and celebrate him. And Lord, during this season, during this season where there's a lot of people passing you by, moving through the stores, moving past the nativities, 
moving past the songs and the carols and all the things. Lord, I pray that, that, that by your spirit, the one that said that if you, Jesus, be lifted up, you would draw all people to you. I pray during this season, God, that there would be a drawing as people hear the words of songs in stores that are unexpected, that they would actually hear, that they would have ears to hear. Lord, that you would draw and pull and that people would respond to you. Lord, that people's lives would be changed, that people would leave 2023 in your hands, a part of your body and enter the new year as a truly new person, not because of resolutions, but because of a savior who came and who's still saving today. If you're here in this place today and you think, man, I've walked past that Jesus podium a few times. I've, maybe you've been to church before. Maybe you've heard the stories before. While we're still in this moment of prayer and every head is bowed and every eye is closed, that's you. You said, man, I've walked by, but I just kept walking. I've known about Jesus, but I never stopped. I've never been changed by him. I've never had my encounter with him cause me to go and tell anybody about him. Then I want to give you a chance this morning to say yes to Jesus, not just to acknowledge his existence, but to take him on as your savior and your Lord to respond to the lordship of Jesus, which promotes and creates action in your life. If that's you, and you, you've maybe heard about him, and you've known about him, but you've never said yes to him, and you've never responded correctly as the shepherds did. You've never had a sense of urgency to change things. You've never gone to tell people. You haven't actually gotten involved in God's family in the body of Christ. You haven't actually followed him. You just stayed where you were, even though you met him. That's you today, and you say, I want to actually follow Jesus. I'm going to count to three in just a moment. I don't want anybody looking around, but I want you to slip your hand up long enough for me to see it. You can put it back down. I just want to know who I'm praying for. But I believe Jesus is here today, and he wants someone in this room to pause and say, yes, I'm not going to walk by you another time. So on the count of three, if that's you, let me see your hand. One, two, three. Go ahead and put your hands up if that's you. Anybody in the room? Give you just another moment. Lord, I thank you so much. I thank you for the people in our first service that said yes to you. And I pray for those in this room today, even if maybe you didn't raise your hand, but your heart's beating a little faster right now. Body temperature's going up. The Spirit of God's poking at you. If that's you, and you didn't raise your hand, I want to pray for you anyway. I want to ask you to come up and tell somebody when the service is over, man, that was me, I didn't raise my hand, but I need help following Jesus. Andrew will tell you more about what to do, but there'll be people ready for you. But God, I thank you for every person in this room. I thank you for the four that responded to you in our first service. I thank you for the work that you're doing in people's hearts during this one. Lord, we thank you again for the season. And we thank you, God, that there is a reason. And it's not just party for the sake of party, but we're celebrating that God had mercy on us as people and sent Jesus, his son. And Jesus, we thank you that you came and lived a perfect life. Although it started out crazy in a bed of a manger with hay and strips of cloth just to keep you warm. We thank you that you came to the lowly and for the lowly. We thank you that you lived a life that we could never live. We thank you that you went to the cross in our place and that you went to the grave that you didn't deserve, but that unlike us, you were raised to life again, but because of you, we can too. Lord, for all of these things, we are grateful and thankful. 
And over this next week, as we move towards Christmas, Lord, I pray that the light and the joy of the true Christmas story, the coming of a real Savior, would penetrate our hearts, permeate our minds, and would flow quickly and easily off of our lips to everyone who needs to hear it. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Andrew, would you come?